0: This is an audio only version of the video series broadcast on YouTube. If you want to experience Me, Myself, and Die as it was originally intended, search for Me, Myself, and Die on YouTube, Facebook, or Rumble. The playlists for all the seasons of the show can be found there. And now, Me, Myself, and (laughs) Die. Hello and welcome back once again to Me, Myself, and Die. I am as always your intrepid game master host and player, Trevor DeVal. Uh, big shout out and thanks to my friend Wal Ross for creating that map that you saw in the introduction. He did that with a little program called Wonderdraft. It's a really cool little cartography program you can check out for yourself at the link below in the notes. Before we get on with today's session, a couple things. One as always, if you enjoy the show, please do hit like and subscribe and keep that bell rung for notifications because there will not be a new episode next week if you're watching this in real time because I have to go to town for work. I am a professional voice actor after all and I have to go to many, many different places to you know pay the bills. So with that in mind I don't think we need to do a major recap but basically Simon was able to put his father Roland Spear to rest and before Roland Spirit left he recommended to Simon that he tried to go back to Kitan and clear his name. If you recall Manfred of Dovding was one of the lords of Kitan who believed that Simon was the serial killer that was killing a bunch of beggars in the poor quarters of the city. That was about a year ago that Simon fled and the warrant for his arrest is still out and fresh because he, he accidentally killed a guard in his escape as well. So he is that to contend with as well. Uh, Arn and Edbert are going with him. Edbert is still free of Cheryl and will be for a while because of the nature of that extraordinary role that we had at the end of last uh, session. The three of them are on their way to Kitan and they will begin the scene in the city disguised, trying to begin their search to find evidence to track down the true killer of Kitan. However, before we get there, I want to know a few things about Kitan. and the first thing I want to know is what does it look like? Well, <laughs> boop, this is what it looks like. This is the city of Kipton. Now, I did not actually make this map. This map was made by a person named Wataboo. You guys can check out his site uh, at the link below. He has an incredible array of random generators. Go check out his his site. He's got a Patreon as well, so if you if you like his stuff, you should go support him on that. We have the fortress on the east, and we have the neighborhood of Six Cliffs, which is a wealthy neighborhood around the fortress. How do I know all this? I'm just making this up as I go along. It seems appropriate to me that there would be wealthy quarters uh, outside the, the fortress. We have the Hooks and Merc Tower, the Hooks of the North, Merc Tower in the West, which are both poor quarters. Ravenstair is sort of the bulk of the city, so that's where you're gonna have most of the residences, as well as some of the markets and things and things like this. Store Market in the South, of course, is a real merchant quarter, so that's where you would find that kind of thing. In terms of its government and who rules here, the only thing we know about this so far is that Manfred of Dovedane is, in fact, a Lord of Chiton. What does that mean? Well, I think that Khitan is probably like a lot of medieval cities were. It's a free town. In other words, it has a charter to operate independently from the king. We don't even know who the king is at this point. We haven't figured out whether it's a kingdom or an empire or anything like that. But that's okay. We can find that out later. Because I think what matters for our purposes today is, what is the government of Khitan? I think it is a council of lords. Like a city council, if you will. Except. It's not made up of people that get voted in, it's made up of local lords that have a vested interest in the well-being of the city. Which would explain the reason why Manfred of Dublin is so intent on capturing Simon, because he believes that Simon was guilty of killing all of these people, presumably in his district. Uh, the first question is, is in fact Chiton ruled by a council of lords? I'm going to ask our fake chart, because that's what we do. Our chaos Factor, by the way, has gone back down to five. We are starting sort of fresh. I think it's a sure thing that the, the city of Chiton is ruled by a council of lords. And 47 is a yes, so yes. I think that there are seven lords on the council. Six of them represent each district, and one of them is sort of the lord mayor, so to speak. You'll notice I didn't roll for anything on that. That's just because I'm using general logic to assign these qualities to the city based on what feels right to me in the moment. But we do know that Manfred is the lord of one of these districts. I think he is the lord of the hooks, because the, uh, the hooks is a pork order, and it's the largest Poor quarter. It's bigger than Merc Tower. Near sure thing. Yes, he is. Simon committed this crime a year ago, give or take. But recently, Manfred sent a bounty hunter team to come after him. So he is still very much interested in capturing Simon. That means one of two things, as far as I can tell. One, he's under some pressure from the Lord Mayor. I guess from the other lords. That's possible. Or two, it's personal. Someone uh, in the comments last time suggested it would be really cool if Manfred's son was actually the real serial killer and that uh, he was basically uh, trying to fob it off on on Simon. That's a really cool idea. Uh, thanks for that. The reason why I'm not going to use it is because at this point, I don't want to know who the killer is. I want to discover the killer with Simon, really cool idea. And if I was running a sort of traditional game with people around a table, I would definitely steal that. So thanks for that. Uh, (laughs) Keep those comments coming. They're really cool. So I I think it's personal. I think the reason why Manfred is interested in capturing Simon is because the serial killer killed a member of his family, like his son. Maybe his son was a member of the watch or maybe his son just happened to be in the hooks at a certain time for whatever reason and got killed by the serial killer. That would explain the reason why Manfred is so intent on capturing Simon, who's been gone over a year now, right? So I think that's what it's gonna be. Let's find out though, because you never know. I'm gonna call that, very likely. Uh, zero one, critical. So yes, absolutely. Manfred's son was killed by the serial killer and he absolutely believes that Simon of Argistan was to blame. Manfred's son, let's give him a name right now. Haven, Haven of Dovedane. So scene set up, Simon, Edward and Arn have secreted their way into the city of Kite. Now they are in disguise as best they can be. Simon with his cowl up all the time because he knows that the town watch is on the lookout for him. It's a year later, so I don't think that it's a going concern right at the moment, but there's a very good chance that if somebody sees him, especially a town guard, they might recognize him, so there's that. I'm imagining them going around to various taverns, beginning their investigation, trying to track down evidence of the serial killer. Now here's a big question I have. Clearly the serial killer is no longer killing. Clearly he hasn't been killing for a year. How do I know that? Because Simon has been gone for a year and Manfred is still sending out bounty hunters for him. If the killings were still going on after Simon had left, Manfred would know that Simon was innocent. So he wouldn't be going after him. Therefore, we know that the serial killer has not been active for a year. That's bad for Simon, but it's the only thing that makes sense in this case. So it is very possible that the serial killer could resurface again and begin his spree of terror among the poor quarter of uh, the city of Kitan. Time will tell. That's a question. Were the killings confined to the hooks? No idea, 50-50 on Chaos Factor 5, 0-6, so the serial killer was operating solely in the Hooks. He, at up till now, he is not attacked anywhere else. So our guys are, I think what they would do is they would find a place to stay, an inn in the poor quarter, because that's where they would start their investigation, and I think that they would split up going around to the various taverns and businesses, you know, asking around, has there been any killings lately, all that kind of stuff. But before we get there, let's um, let's determine if our scene uh, setup is altered or modified. Our chaos factor's at five, so if I roll five or less, it is in fact modified six, so no. Let's find out the name of the inn in the poor quarter, where our guys are staying. Here we go, GM's miscellany, urban dressing, a system neutral edition, the creeping pixie. <laughs> I don't think they're at this inn, I think that's where they're staying. I think that we begin the actual episode with Simon, Arne and Edbert having split up to investigate the various taverns, brothels, these kind of places. You know what? I, it's too dangerous for Simon to go do this. He can't do this part of the investigation. It's too risky. If someone sees who he is and recognizes him, he's in big trouble. Arn probably has the best chance of doing this, so we're gonna roll him first. Now, Arne is ugly. If we recall this, so ugly, in fact, that his charisma penalty is minus 2 two. I'm mm. We're gonna make a street rise roll to see if he discovers anything at all that could be of help. He does not, unfortunately. Uh, Edbert, oh, this is interesting. He has the haunted hindrance, but he's not currently haunted. So I don't think he has that penalty. He does have the bloodthirsty penalty, but that only applies if people know his reputation, which here they do not. So he has no penalties. Does he succeed? Oh, he explodes with the six. Nine, that is a success with the raise. So while Arne is out canvassing the taverns, Edbert is canvassing the brothel, the local brothel. What does Edbert discover? The serial killer. We know the serial killer went after beggars, went after the poorest of the poor. He didn't go after prostitutes, he didn't go after shopkeepers, he went after beggars. Oh, uh, is it possible that Edbert speaks to a prostitute who knew One of the beggars who found some coin and came in for a little comfort that night, is that the case? 97 Extreme No, so it was not one of her clients. Which if it's not one of her clients, then I think it's gonna be someone she was related to. Her father was killed. It's an Extreme No, it was not her client, so hopefully the opposite of a prostitute's client is her father. Hopefully. Mm. (laughs) So we're gonna go with that. She lost her father. So as Edward is talking to this woman who has a name, 09, Aletta. So he discovers that Aletta lost her father to the serial killer. How did he kill his victims? Uh, Event meaning action and subject. How did he kill his victims? Fight, fight benefits. Oh, I know. Lord Manfred had set up various things to help the poor of the Hooks. He had set up soup kitchens he had set up, you know, that kind of stuff. Maybe he's not particularly happy about being in charge of a poor district, but we don't know anything about Manfred, maybe he is. But I think he set up like soup kitchens, This, these, these kind of things. Perhaps there was a, a temple to like a healing goddess or something there that that helped dole out food to the various unfortunates of the, of the hooks. The serial killer targeted people who were partaking in that. The killer was taking out beggars as they were leaving places like the soup kitchens which meant that the beggars themselves began to stay away from those places. That's no good for Manfred because now the people that are supposedly under his protection are not getting food. There's a whole host of problems that come up with that as well. So Aletta's father was leaving one of these soup kitchens one night and he was killed. Did the serial killer have any particular signature? No, he did not, so he killed not indiscriminately, but the methods which he employed were all over the place. Sometimes he strangled people. Sometimes he stabbed them. Sometimes he, you know, drowned them, clubbed them over the head. People died in all different kinds of ways. So there wasn't. Again, we know that this is not a ritualistic killing. We know that this killer is not part of a cult because we determined that a couple of episodes ago. So we'll just say that uh, we'll just say that her father was clubbed to death. Aletta, that's your name, right? Aletta? Yes, it is. You say that your father was clubbed to death here in the hooks. Is there anything else you can tell me about the nature of his death? All I know is that he was coming away from the soup kitchen one night when he was attacked in an alley. An alley. Do you remember exactly where he was killed? Does she? I think so. I think she would. We have alley names. He's 36. Gorgon Alley. <laughs> he was clubbed to death as he was leaving the soup kitchen. Apparently he took a turn down Gorgon Alley. And that's where they found his body the next day. Gorgon Alley. Right, thank you. Flips her a coin. Are you sure you have to go so soon? You look like you could use some company. <laughs> uh that's a kind offer, but uh, I'd rather not have you two pull our show, so I think we're good. <laughs> he goes back to the creeping pixie, I think Arne has already returned, and informs Simon and Arne of what he's discovered. They put up their hoods again and stalk off into the darkness of the hooks, of the poor quarter of the hooks, looking for Gorgon Alley. I don't think it takes that long to find. They can ask various locals and things like this, but they do find Gorgon Alley. I'm just gonna have them do a, a, a notice roll as they carefully look around for any kind of clue. I think Arn is gonna roll first because he's, he's alert, so he's got plus two to his notice, which is pretty great, even though it's only a d4. Do they find anything? Seven, so Arne succeeded. Let's check the other guys. Six, so Edward succeeded. We're looking for raises here, basically. Notice this is Simon with five. So they all have successes, but no raises. So they do find something of use. If they had got a raise, it would have been something really great, but it's not. So they do find something of use to them. What clue do they discover? It's an excellent question. Zero seven, violate. 46, food. Violate food. What kind of clue could they discover in Gorgon Alley? Violate food, well, we know that the father was coming out of a soup kitchen. Does it have something to do with that? This is a year ago, remember. I think that in Gorgon Alley, there was actually a back entrance to said soup kitchen, run by Lord Manfred's people. And I think it was that doorway where the father was coming out that he got attacked. So he was attacked right outside the exit to the soup kitchen. I think as they're as they're walking down this alley hunting for clues, Simon looks up and he sees light coming from behind this one door and he goes over to it and he checks the door. I think that they find that there's a lot of vantage points on either side of the door like you know, old crates and barrels all stacked up. A lot of places for an ambusher to strike from. And they it immediately is apparent to them that if if, if in fact the father was killed in Gorgon Alley, that this would be the best place to attack somebody from behind, is from this area. And as they look and they kind of put it together, all being experienced fighting men, they realize that, wait a minute, the the best angle of attack is if someone attacked him right as he was sort of coming out and around, which means someone had to have been waiting for him. I think it's enough for them to want to investigate further the soup kitchen themselves. And it does make sense because they knew that the beggars were all being killed outside soup kitchen, so of course they're gonna wanna talk to the people there. So as they go around to the front, they sort of (coughs) knock on the door and a a harsh guttural voice comes comes from the other side of the door. We're closed tonight, there's no more food for you. Come back in the morning. We're not here for the food, friend. We want to talk to you about the murdered beggars last year. Do you know anything about that? Does he? I mean, probably, we'll call it very likely. Didn't know anything about that? 88 is, uh, is a no. So this guy doesn't. It's doubles, but it's over a case factor, so no random event. The murders? No, 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 I don't know anything about that. I started working here long after that was all done. If you want to have any answers about that, you'll have to talk to Lord Manfred's man. He's the one in charge of the soup kitchen. And what is this man's name? His name is Huxley. He'll be back tomorrow. You can see him then. Very well, thank you. They, uh, Trundle off into the dark night and head back to the creeping pixie. When they get back to their rooms, Simon is obviously not too excited about wanting to speak to Manfred's employee, basically, because there's a very good chance that, you know, there might be a connection there and that they might know who Simon is. He can't reveal his face. Arn says, I do not think it is wise for you to speak to this Huxley, Simon. He may recognize you. Yes, that is good advice, Arn, but my instinct tells me that if we're going to discover who the serial killer was, our next answers are connected to that soup kitchen somehow. I must go. Mm, if you insist, just make sure you keep your hood up. We don't want anyone to see your face. I think that night they um, go to bed, they get some sleep, they get some rest, and in the morning they go back to the soup kitchen. So, that'll be our next scene. Okay, characters, we've added the character of Huxley. I think they were actually largely in control there, so I'm gonna lower the chaos down to four. The next morning, they get up, have a meager breakfast at the Creeping Pixie, which is composed largely of thin gruel, no doubt, and they head down back to the soup house to try and speak to Huxley to see what they can discover. So, is the scene altered or interrupted? It is, it is an altered scene. So as they are going to the soup kitchen, I think the best way to alter this scene is there is the chance that a town guard recognizes Simon. Arne tried to warn Simon about not going and he chose to. Anyway, they are making their way through the ramshackle, Byzantine maze-like streets of the Hooks. Large wooden tenement buildings looming over the streets almost threatening to come in and collapse creating this real maze-like feel to it they pass by merchants and urchins and all kinds of merchants and urchins uh, could be the next D game merchants and urchins they pass by all the kinds of things that you would expect in the poor quarter of town in the shanty town that is the hooks going back to the soup kitchen to the main entrance this time but before they get there as they're walking across a, a dilapidated sort of market stall a guard looks across and sees just for a second as Simon basically, he's got his cowl up, but as he's, he's walking along, he turns and he looks behind him and for just a second, the guard gets a glimpse of his face. Here's a question. Is this the guard that tried to apprehend him a year ago and had his partner killed? I doubt that very, very, very much. I think it's impossible. Is that the case? 93, extreme no. <laughs> okay, this guy has nothing to do with that guard whatsoever. I think this guard is new. I think he's a young guard and I don't think he was even around a year ago. What are the odds that this young guard actually knows enough details about the description of Simon that he's able to recognize him based on that? Mm. I just don't think it's likely. Oh, 32. No is the answer. (laughs) Interesting, because if the chaos factor was five instead of four, that would have been a yes. So no, the guard does not recognize him. He sees Simon's face. I think Simon briefly makes eye contact with him. The guard just kind of looks a bit like this. Simon tenses, his hand goes to his crossbow underneath his cloak, but the guard looks at him and then his attention is taken by some passing street urchin. So they are able to continue unscathed towards the soup kitchen. When they get there, let's talk about Huxley. Huxley is Manfred's guy who is there specifically to oversee the soup kitchen. So I don't think he's going to be a soldier or anything like that. He's more of a low-level bureaucrat stuck with this job which he probably hates, but we don't really know. Let's find out. Tell us about Huxley. Huxley is 23, a logical polymath. A logical polymath. <laughs> Interesting. A polymath, incidentally, is someone who knows a lot about a bunch of different subjects. So he's, he knows his his stuff for sure. I need to know a little bit more about old Huxley here. He's a logical polymath. His motivation, 40. Relate, 74. Modesty, abuse, 66. Abuse wrath. I think that Huxley is... An extremely smart character who is not prone to displays of pride or anything like this, but he has a hair-trigger temper, so I have a feeling that the rest of the employees here at the soup kitchen are terrified of Huxley. So when they get to the soup kitchen, I think the doors are already open and there's a long line of beggars sort of filtering in one by one, going up to the tables, having a thin gruel soup ladled into a a simple pottery bowl as they take it to a long trestle table. And I think there's a bunch of them. There's a whole bunch of beggars here. Simon and company come in, they look around. Do they see? Huxley, is he in the room? I'm gonna guess that he's probably not the kind of guy that actually, you know, doles out the soup. He's more of a bureaucrat. He's more of an administrator than that. I'm gonna say it's unlikely that he's actually in the room. 89, he is not in the room. In fact, it's an extreme, no, he is currently unavailable for some reason. So they speak to the local soup workers there I'm afraid uh, Lord Huxley is uh, indisposed at the moment. Uh, y- you'll have to come back later, but might I inquire as to what this is about? Please, my good man, it is very important that we speak to him. Uh, persuasion roll. An audience, so to speak. Two, 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 two. fail. I am terribly sorry, but when Lord Huxley is indisposed, he is not to be disturbed under any circumstances. And you know, I think that Simon can see the fear in this guy's eyes and he gets a sense right away. Oh, I think this Huxley is a, Serious character not to be screwed with. Please, as my good friend here says, it is very important we speak with this Huxley. He basically has to explode on this roll. He does not. As I said, Lord Huxley is unavailable. You will have to come back later. It was an extreme no I rolled, so I, I don't think he's here at all. I think, he's off. I think he's off doing some work with Manfred himself right now. Is that the case? Uh, I'm gonna call that likely. Is it the case? Yes, it is. Lord Huxley is currently at Lord Manfred's manor. He will not be back today. You will have to try again tomorrow. And the worker goes back to doling out the soup and I think the three of them sort of pull back a little bit. Perhaps there is something here of interest to us. Arn, Edward, have a walk around the room. See what you can find. The three of them move off amongst the beggars. I think that Arn is actually looking for any kind of clues, anything of interest in the common room itself? Is there something about the table or the walls or the kitchen or the, the, the little window area where the soup is doled from, where he can see the kitchens behind? Is there anything of interest at all? While he does that, I think that both Edward and Simon are going around talking to the beggars to see if they know anything. Arn is gonna do a notice roll. He's really good, but I'm gonna give him a penalty because I don't think there's much to find here in the room. So, I'm going to give him a penalty two, which cancels his plus two alertness. So, this is a straight up notice roll for him. Does he notice anything of interest? Oh, and he's only rolling a d4. Anything of interest? Does Arn find anything? Oop, maybe. Seven. So, he finds something of interest. What is it that Arn finds in the room of interest to their investigation? 7711 is deceive emotions. Interesting. I think the room is a large rectangular room with a bunch of long trestle tables where these beggars are now sitting, eating their, their thin gruel for breakfast basically. But they are being served by, there's a number of uh, windows on the back wall and those windows lead to the kitchen and there's a couple of workers that are on the other side of the windows doling out the, the soup to people as they go up. Arne can see that, he can see the workers, he can also see the, past the workers into the kitchen. Arne notices that the worker they just spoke to is moving back towards the kitchen area. But as he does so, he looks back over his shoulder at Simon and he's got a look of severe consternation on his face, like something's really bothering him. This is a problem, of course. Arn clocks that guy. Hmm. Let's find out if Simon and Edbert... Come up with anything by talking to these people. This is a streetwise roll. Again, Edbert is not going to be afflicted by his haunted situation, his haunted hindrance. I'm going to give Simon the penalty to his outsider hindrance here just because he's trying to be very careful. He's got his cloak up. He looks a little sketchy. Yeah, I'm going to give him the penalty for sure. Uh, nope, fail. Edbert does have streetwise, but only at four. He's not going to have his penalty. Oh, exploding four. Six. So that is a success. I think it's very likely that some of these beggars knew some of the people that got killed. The question is, in talking to these beggars, is Edbert able to detect any pattern at all, any pattern in their stories, any patterns in the killings, anything at all that would provide some other clue? It wasn't a success with a raise, so I was gonna call it likely, but I think it's just gonna be somewhat likely now. Does he detect a pattern in the beggar's stories 20 is a success. He does detect a pattern. As he's talking to all of these other beggars, they all tell him basically the same thing, that their friends, the other beggars, were all killed either leaving the soup kitchens or or very close to the soup kitchens. They also tell them that the beggars were killed in a multitude of ways. They were clubbed, they were stabbed. There didn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to that. the, The attacks were savage brutal and bloody. Really just awful. And the, the, the word of, of these killings spread through the hooks like wildfire. What is the nature of the pattern that he discovers about the killings based on everything that we know right now? 88, control, zero 01 control of goals. The killer, while savage and brutal, was always very careful, always very much in control always knew exactly when and where to strike beggars. And he always knew when the beggars were going to be alone. So much so that the only way he could have successfully killed all of these people is if he had working knowledge of the kitchen itself. I just had a thought. Did the killer in fact work at the soup kitchens? Is that how I mean, the, the the attacks all happened at the soup kitchens. Is it possible that the killer was one of Manfred's men that was working at the soup kitchens? Unlikely, just because that'd be too easy. <laughs> Unlikely. Oh my God, extreme yes! <laughs> okay, so extreme yes, we know for a fact the killer worked at the soup kitchens. If he had an understanding of the times that the kitchen was open, the exits and entrances, the surrounding alleyways, all of these things is what Edward is able to piece together to form this pattern that yes, absolutely, it's very, very likely that the killer worked in these kitchens. And as Edward is telling Simon this, Arne is looking over at that worker who even now is looking back at Simon. He goes back in the kitchen and he whispers something to one of the other workers, which Arndt can see through the window. And he's he's very agitated about something. And he looks over and I think what he's saying to the worker is, these men are up to no good and we need to call the guards. We need to get these men out of here right now. I think that's what he's saying. Is that what he's saying? Uh, yes, that is what he's saying. So the guy that they were talking to goes up to one of the other employees and whispers something to that employee. That employee sort of looks over at our trio, nods hurriedly, and vanishes through the back door. Arn sees this and he immediately clocks over at Simon and Edbert and he motions his head and he hightails it out the front door to try and run around and catch up with the person in the back before he can go off and do whatever he's going to do. Meanwhile, as this happens, Simon and Edbert sort of stand up and they see the worker looking at them, glaring at them. They approach the window to try and speak to him as they know Notice that he's totally glaring at them, but as they come up, he sort of you know, his eyes go wide, he turns and disappears into the kitchen, vanishing. Edward says, Something's wrong with that guy. We should go after him. Yes, I think you're right. They split up looking for the entrance to the kitchen. Do they find it? Well, it's not a very big room. I'm gonna say it's very likely that one of them finds it before the guy can vanish entirely. 94, no, they don't. So that doesn't mean they don't find the entrance. It means that by the time they find the entrance to the kitchen and barrel into the kitchens, these other workers like, hey, you can't be in here. They look around, but the guy is nowhere to be seen. Meanwhile, in the back alley, Arn rushes back to try and catch this dude who is running out the back alley. He doesn't know anything about what's going on with this guy or where he's going or anything like that, but it's obviously not a good thing. Does he catch him in time? Um, 50-50, does Arn catch the guy and basically stop him from going to grab the guards? He does not. Arn runs around the alley, he looks for the guy, nowhere to be seen. He walks out into one of the maze-like streets, and there he can see the guy has found that other young guardsman from before, and he's pointing back to the soup house, and he's agitated, and he's very, very animatedly, you know, pointing, and and, and I think Arin could overhear him saying, the, the there's men in in the soup kitchens. They're up no good." Arin's like, "Uh oh!" Arin runs back to the soup kitchens. Does he get there in time to warn Simon and Edbert before the guard shows up? Uh, I'm gonna make this a competing roll, okay? His agility versus the guard's agility. So let's do the guard's agility first. I'm just gonna make him a bog standard guard. What is his agility roll for? So Arn has to beat a four or else the guard is able to get to the soup kitchens before he does. Arn rolls a seven. Oh, I thought that was something else. So he rolls a seven. He's able to burst into the soup kitchen, run back. He doesn't see Simon or Edward anywhere, but then he notices through the window of the, the soup kitchens. He runs into the kitchens. We've got to get out of here now. The guards are on their way. They seem to think that we're up to no good. Oh blast, let's go, let's go now. And they hightail it out of the soup kitchen. As they hustle through the streets back to the creeping pixie, Arndt says to them, I saw the look on the face of that man we spoke to when we first came in. He knows something, Simon. Somehow I believe that he could be key to all of this. Well then, we're going to have to find a way to get to him. Find out what he knows and what he's hiding. But that will take us to the end of the scene. A uh, new thread as well. The killer we've determined worked at the soup house. The worker whose name they didn't get, but let's get a description of this guy because we didn't actually give him a description. A coarse. So he's, he's literally coarse. He's got like all kinds of stubble. He's really unkempt. You know, a big bald patch, scraggly hair. Cleric. He's also uh, bearing a, a holy symbol around his neck. I just realized, we, I had mentioned before that uh, it's possible that this soup kitchen was was working in conjunction with one of the temples of the goddess of healing. So it's possible that this course priest is in fact one of the acolytes of the temple of healing. We don't know what the god or goddess is of healing. One to three, it is a goddess. Oh, it's a god of healing. The god of healing, Elosia, the god of healing. So the holy symbol that they saw around his neck is definitely, the god, is definitely the symbol of Elosia. So ask at Temple of Elosia about this guy. So that is our new thread. That is our new character and our chaos factor has gone back up to five and that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks so much for watching and don't forget to hit like and subscribe if you enjoy the show. Remember that next week as well, I will not have an episode up because I'm out of town working, but uh, do tune in after that when we pick up with Simon and company as they go to the temple of Elogia to find out any more about this coarse priest who eluded them at the soup kitchens and perhaps find the next clue which may lead them to the true serial killer so that Simon can finally clear his name. Thanks again, and we will see you next time on Me, Myself, and Die.